Amen. Let's make our confession. This is our year of Jubilee. We expect manifestations of the Holy Ghost and power. We believe for financial miracles and miracles of healing in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. We are living in the last days, and the scripture tells us that those last days will be perilous times, dangerous, but it also means strength reducing. We're living on the edge. We're living on the edge of society. We're living on the edge of time. And the Bible has a lot to say about things and people that were living on the edge. The Bible gives us the creation account, which was the beginning of earthly society. The Bible tells us the story of Daniel and three Jewish friends and how they operated during the time of Babylon, uh, captivity to Babylon. We've got stories of God delivering the people out of Egypt through mighty signs and wonders and miracles. and delivering them to the crossing of the Red Sea and directing them on their way to the promised land. The Bible shows us the difference between those who believed and followed him to the promised land and those who rejected him through unbelief. But we've also got a story of a man that God chose, a man by the name of Abraham, which reveals to us God's interaction, his first interaction with man. The Bible tells us of the promises that he made to Abraham He promised to lead him to the promised land, a land that was selected for Abraham and his descendants. And he promised him a race of people that would be his heirs. Now, Abraham's an interesting guy. And the story of Abraham is an interesting story because there was nothing 
that the Bible indicates to us is why he chose him, why God would choose Abraham. There's one place where God said that he was obligated to show Abraham what was coming next, meaning judgment on the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. But really the only thing it says about him, it says God knew that he would teach his children to know the way of the Lord. Abraham was most probably an idol worshiper when God first appeared to him and called him out to follow him. And the Bible tells us that it came, there came a point in time where God had to, I'm tempted to say, tweak his faith. But really, it was more than that. The Bible says, so then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. In Genesis chapter 17, God has appeared again to Abraham. Abraham is about 100 years old. His wife, Sarah, is 90 years old. And Abraham has been following God for 24 years. He was 75 when God first appeared to him. And now he's 99 or around 100. So it's about 24 years have passed. And part of the promise of God has not yet been realized. And that was the birth of his son that they named Isaac. In Genesis chapter 17, verse 15, And God said unto Abraham, As for Sarah thy wife, thou shalt not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall her name be. And I will bless her and give thee a son also of her. Yea, I will bless thee. I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born unto him that is a hundred years old? And Sarah shall bear that is ninety years old. Now you can study the words, the Hebrew words that are used in this verse, and you'll find out that laugh, the word laughed, has a very specific meaning in the Hebrew language. It means laughed. There's no mistranslation. There's no opportunity for us to think that Abraham has been strong in faith or is at this point in time strong in faith concerning the promise of God that he'd have a son. He fell on his face and laughed. And Abraham said unto God, O oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. And God said, Sarah, thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his seed after him. Now, folks, if you, if you do some study and look back at the things that God has said to Abraham 
previous to this concerning his descendants, God really doesn't tell him anything new. He just reminds him of things he's already said. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word. God doesn't change the story. He doesn't try to explain the reason for a delay. He just reminds him of what he's already said. And as for Ishmael, verse 20, and as for Ishmael, I have heard thee. Behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and will multiply him exceedingly. Twelve princes shall he beget and I will make of him a great nation. But my covenant will I establish with Isaac, which Sarah shall bear unto thee at this set time in the next year. And he left off talking with him and God went up from Abraham. Now in Genesis chapter 18, God appears to Abraham again, and this is the story of Sodom and Gomorrah and how the cities are judged. Verse 9 of Genesis chapter 18, And they said unto him, Where is Sarah thy wife? And he said, Behold, in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah thy wife shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door, which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken in age. And it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? And the Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore, why did Sarah laugh? saying, Shall I of a surety bear a child which am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Then Sarah denied, saying, I laugh not, for she was afraid. But he said, Nay, thou didst laugh. And the men rose up from thence and looked towards Sodom, and Abraham went with them to bring them on, on the way. Folks, it seems that Abraham has gone from a position of faith, which he certainly had as God was blessing him ever since he had been 75 years old, except for this one area, this one aspect. He's laughed at the promise of God. Sarah, his wife, has laughed at the promise of God. Now, I think this is instructive for us because in, in Hebrews chapter 11, where it gives us the list of people that make up the hall of fame of faith, so to speak, both Abraham and Sarah are listed there. And it talks about the strength that Sarah received to conceive the child. So something changed. Something took place within both Abraham and Sarah that brought them to the place where they could receive from God. Now I want you to look with me now to Romans chapter 4. Here's Paul telling us the story of Abraham and Sarah. And when they 
gave birth in their old age to Isaac. Romans chapter 4, verse 17. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. Before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. Who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. According to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. And being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. And therefore it was imputed unto him for righteousness. Now folks, realize, recognize here in this verse, that something changed with Abraham and Sarah. And what changed with them had to do with their belief that God was able to do what he promised. They were fully persuaded that he was able to do what he had promised to do. Now it seems a little bit out of place to me in my thinking that their faith was weak in God's ability. But there was another place that might be of interest to us in Matthew chapter 9, verse 28. And when he was come into the house, the blind men came to him Well, I started too soon here. Let me back up to verse 27. And when Jesus departed thence, two blind men followed him, crying and saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. And when he was come into the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said unto them, Believe ye that I am able to do this? And they said unto him, Yea, Lord. It's very rare that Jesus ever emphasized his ability to bring about the desired result. He's the one that tells us that there's nothing impossible with God. He's the one that tells us there's nothing impossible to them that believe. And I'm certainly more familiar with the leper in Matthew chapter 8 that came to Jesus and said, Lord, if you will, you can heal me. He had no qualms about God's ability or Jesus' ability as the Son of God, the Messiah sent to the earth. He knew enough of what miracles Jesus had performed to be secure in the ability of God. But he just didn't know if he was willing. This is like the modern day church saying God will heal or can heal. But you never know who it's his will to heal. Well, when Jesus heard him. Questioned his willingness. 
Jesus immediately responds and reaches out his hand and touches him, and he was made whole from leprosy. I know I certainly always emphasize the willingness and the mercy of God rather than the power of God. The power of God, to me, is kind of like one of those things that you just kind of shove off into the corner because there's general, general acceptance or understanding that God, who is the creator of the universe, can do anything in this universe. And that the power of his words, the same word that he gave to each and all, every one of us, it's just generally accepted. I don't know any other way to, to put it. But in that general acceptance, there's an opportunity to diminish in your faith. One of the things that I've learned over this last decade plus is that sometimes the length of times, the length of our Confessing the word, standing in faith. There's a there's an opportunity there to doubt that anything will ever change. And the devil's always right there at the forefront trying to influence you and bringing thoughts to you that things will never change. I think for that reason, for example, in Mark chapter 5, the woman with the issue of blood, she'd had the issue of blood for 12 years and had spent everything she had on doctors and it was nothing better but rather grew worse. I think there's more to that story than we usually give credit to. We know that it's a great example of faith because when she had heard of Jesus, she began to say, if I can just touch his garment, I shall be whole. Jesus identifies that it was her faith that made her whole. But this woman was a greater champion than I think we give her credit for. Medical science had done all that they could for her. But something she heard of Jesus made her believe that things could change in her behalf. Now I wonder what the devil was telling her, speaking to her mind all the time that she was 
believe in God, that there would be healing power in Jesus' garment that would raise her up. We've studied some concerning the institution of the Passover. In Exodus chapter 12, the Bible tells us that when God gave Moses the instructions that the people were to follow so that the angel of death would pass over them and their houses, the Bible tells us that God brought them forth with silver and gold and there was not one feeble among them. That word feeble is talking about weakness, but specifically it's talking about the shuffle of feet. We've seen people as a result of sickness or disease or sometimes just old age that instead of taking long strides, they just shuffle along. Well, they've got a, a trip to take after the Passover occurred. They've got to walk to the promised land. So Jesus healed a nation of people. We know that the crowd was millions. The, the, the smallest estimate I've seen was 2 million people. But I've also seen uh, estimates that it was 7 million people, up to 7 million. Well, we don't know exactly how, what the total number was. But 7 million people coming out of slavery or millions of people, whatever number you want to attach to it, just as good as any other number. But God healed the people, not just from sickness and disease that might have been present, but from weakness and lack of strength. Not necessarily caused by sickness itself, but may have just have been a, um, the result of weakness associated with age. Now there's something else about the, the healing power of God. And that is, Paul tells us, inspired by the Holy Ghost, Paul tells us that when Jesus comes back, the dead in Christ shall rise first. And then we shall be caught up into the, in the air to meet Jesus too. And that in the twinkling of an eye, faster than you could snap your fingers, a nation of people. Now when I say a nation of people, I'm not talking about countries. I'm talking about those that made Jesus the Lord of their lives. Those whom are in Christ, new, new creatures or new species of being. 
but the dead in Christ. From the time that Jesus was raised up from the dead, anybody that has made him the Lord of their lives, our bodies will be changed in the twinkling of an eye. Faster than we could explain or describe. The population of the earth that is, that makes up the people of God or the church will be instantly, well, need to be careful how I say this, will be instantly healed and or created, recreated with a spiritual body. Now, folks, it would seem that somebody that has the power to raise the dead, all the dead that are for the 2,000 years since Jesus was raised from the dead himself, all those that have made Jesus the Lord of their lives and have become a part of the family of God, Every one of those at the same moment in time will be recreated with a spirit body. Now the Bible talks about the redeeming of the body and this is when it happens, when Jesus comes back for the church. But think about that, the explosive power of God that will reconstruct bodies that were destroyed through explosions, for example. And every other possible way that somebody could die, whether there was a funeral, funeral that was made with the remains of the body or not. God will reassemble all of his ch children I get to talking about these things and run out of words. God has been in the business throughout the history of mankind as delivering his people in mass Matthew chapter 8 tells us about healings that took place in Jesus' ministry. Verse, uh, verse 16, Matthew eight sixteen, 
When the evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils. And he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying himself took our infirmities and bare our sickness. Now this is talking about Isaiah chapter 53, verse 4. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. That word griefs is the word sickness, and sorrow is the word pains. And that's what Matthew 8 is referring to. And he identifies this talking about sickness and disease. Not some lame explanation in some other way. Verse 5 of Isaiah 53, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. Let me go back to Matthew chapter 8. When the evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Now, folks, something about this experience, ministry experience with Jesus, fulfilled Isaiah's prophecy. What did it fulfill? Well, Isaiah 53 is talking about the Messianic, it's called the Messianic chapter. It's talking about the work of the Messiah that would benefit us. Well, Jesus bore our sickness and carried our pains. But the way that he did that was through the substitutionary work on the cross. If Jesus had fulfilled taking our infirmities and bearing our sickness through this one experience in Capernaum, then there would have been no reason for him to go to the cross to pay that price. So Jesus was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Bearing our sickness and carrying our pains was done by him becoming sin on the cross and spending three days and nights in the belly of the earth, in the pit of hell, paying the price for man's universal sin. Well, if that's not it, then what was fulfilled? Which Isaiah spoke. Everything that Isaiah spoke about had to do with Jesus being made a curse for us on the cross and rising again into victory. Well, then what was fulfilled? Fulfilled. 
Folks, there's only one thing that could be fulfilled by this, this activity, this ministry activity of Jesus himself, and that is healing all that were sick. The fulfillment or the revealing of Isaiah's prophecy was healing all the sick. He didn't leave anybody out. He healed all that were sick. Again, we see the activity and the work of God through his son Jesus revealing to us his character and his nature by healing all that were sick. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Some people trying to uh, discount or disagree with the reality that a part of Jesus' suffering leading up to the cross and the cross itself would say that this scripture, Isaiah 53, 4, was fulfilled by his work in Capernaum that we just read about in Matthew chapter 8. But Isaiah 53, 5 says he was wounded for our transgressions. If the hour in Matthew 8, 16 and 17 was talking about them, the people of Capernaum, the people that heard Jesus in his earthly ministry, then we'd have to conclude that the price they paid for transgressions and iniquities was the same hour as the last part of the verse refers to. If he paid the price for our sins and our iniquities, then he had to pay the price for our sickness too. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. Don't let time rob you of the blessings of God. Don't let time discount the fact that Jesus paid for every bit of sickness and disease for your benefit. I've got a little bit of experience with some that have claimed if God was going to heal me, it would have been, it would have been done by now already. Now, I don't have an explanation for time, the time that's passed. But this I know. I started off believing God, and I'm going to finish up believing God too.
surely. The only, only time surely is in this 53rd chapter of Isaiah. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. The word born and carried, those are, mes- uh, those are Levitical terms that were applied to the scapegoat that would bear away the sins or be an example of the bearing away of the sins of Israel. And it says, Surely he has borne our griefs, sicknesses, and carried our pains. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Abraham had to change a little bit of what he was doing. And Romans chapter 4 identifies to us what that was. Verse 17 again, as it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God. This before him whom he believed carries with it the, the idea of imitation. It's literally saying that Abraham imitated God when what way did it imitate him Matthew tells us or I'm sorry Paul tells us in Romans 4 he imitated these two characteristics of God God quickens the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were in other words a part of Abraham's faith And the reason I believe that the Bible makes such a point of us following his example of faith is because he imitated God in giving life to dead things and calling those things which be not as though they were. He began to call his body alive. He began to say his body was able to make him the father of many nations. Now, he didn't have any physical evidence, no evidence in his body that that was true. He didn't have anything looking at his body to hope in. Who against hope or without hope, he believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. Now, what was that thing that brought him hope according to that which was spoken? So shall thy seed be. When God appeared to Abraham in Genesis chapter 17, as we read earlier, and told him about Sarah having a son just a year from that point in time, and the establishing of his covenant, or the fulfillment of his covenant with Abraham through the birth of his son, According to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. Abraham took notice of the words of God in Genesis chapter 17. And he put his hope in the word of God that he might become the father of many nations. 
simply because God had said to him, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, notice that's a choice. He considered not his own body now dead when he was about 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. It doesn't say he ignored his body. It doesn't say he denied the physical realities of his body or his circumstances. It just says he didn't let that be the last word. He considered not his body. He realized that the lack of evidence in his body was no reason to discount or disbelieve God. Because God's promise included the changing of his body. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. And being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. And therefore it was imputed unto him for righteousness. Folks, I hope you see that the outline of Abraham's faith very seriously, simply reveals to us what strong faith does. Strong faith gives glory to God and is fully persuaded that what he had promised he is able also to perform. Now verse 21, being fully persuaded that what he had promised he was able also to perform, that refers to his confession. That refers to his words coming to pass. So Abraham, regardless of what's taking place in his body, is calling his body alive no matter what it looks like or feels like or no matter what it looks like and doesn't feel like. He's calling his body alive even though it looks to be dead. And he's giving God glory, thanking God for the answer before he can see it. Now, you can do those two things, can't you? Can you glorify God for the answer before you see it? Are you fully persuaded that God is able? And notice that's talking about ability. It's talking about godly power. It doesn't have anything to do with the power of God in or on you. It has to do with believing God is strong enough to keep his word. Those two things brought Abraham a miracle. A miracle that lasted throughout the annals of church history. A miracle that will be duplicated and experienced even unto the coming of Jesus Christ. And the, re the receipt of our redeemed bodies You know what I think would be a great thing for us to aspire to? I want my body to be lined up with the Word of God in such a degree that when Jesus comes back, there's no sickness that I have to be redeemed of.
word of God is life unto those that find them. And it's health to all of our flesh. I think we are all tempted to look at the word of God as something that still has to be performed. What I mean by that is it's easy to get in the position of claiming healing for your body, but then expecting, looking for and expecting for God to do something else to make it real. That's not how it works with God. Once God says it, it's done. There's nothing else left to be done. There's no healing power to come from heaven to you or to, you, to me. Because God and his word are one. And because he is the master and creator of the universe. When the Bible says we've been healed by the stripes of Jesus. That's already taken place. So it's only left to us to reach out by faith with our words. To lay hold of. The blessing of Abraham which includes divine health for each and every one of us. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was able also to perform. It's impossible for us not to receive healing if we maintain a stand of faith. God has already declared these things to have taken place. Jesus has already paid the price for us. It's simply left to us to reach out in faith just like it tells us about Abraham in these two ways. Giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what God has promised, he was able also to perform. And therefore, it was imputed to him for righteousness. Folks, if God said the sun was going to rise in the west tomorrow, there's nothing left for him to do. His words would create the situation so that the, earth, so that the sun would come up on that side or from that direction. God's words are immutable. There's no power in the universe that's stronger than his words. So all that's left for us is to get in a position where those words come to pass on our behalf. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I don't think there's anything better than the word becoming personal. When the word becomes personal to us and we realize the immutability of his word, that it cannot fail, that he never changes, then the faith walk becomes a journey or an adventure. Doesn't mean we have all the answers.
but he does. Thank God for his word. My son, attend to thy words, incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart before thine eyes, keep them in the midst of thy heart. For my words are life unto those that find them, and health to all their flesh. Say it with me, the word of God is life unto my flesh. I am healed by the stripes of Jesus. I give glory to God because healing is mine. Sickness and disease has no right to remain in my flesh. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's close in a word of prayer. Father, thank you so much for all that you've done for us. You redeemed us, Father, from destruction. And you've crowned us with loving kindness and tender mercies. Thank you, Lord, that your mercy endures forever because you are good. Thank you, Father, that your word is affecting a healing and a cure in us from the top of our head to the soles of our feet. We believe and we are fully persuaded that you are able to defeat any and every sickness and disease there is. We believe we receive healing from the top of our head to the soles of our feet. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. God bless you, folks. Have a great day.